0: That there are quite literally a million ways uh, to uh, embody the Luddite methodology, right? You know, there's a section there near the end where he's, um I mean, he's giving examples, right? Talking about withdrawal from technologies or systems, extrication from selected techniques or apparatuses, right? Um or And, and that, that this might spark a, a withdrawal, right? Or because people would be conditioned and have been conditioned to use and rely on certain technologies and have developed needs and habits and, and, and comfort levels that are intimately ingratiated and, and and centered on these on these systems, but that they'd have to be overcome if we want to get rid of certain things. But also, you know, uh, later on says, other possibilities for Luddism as methodology can be found at virtually any point in which social and political institutions depend upon advanced technologies for their effective operation. Persons who, for any reason, wish to alter or reform these institutions, the factory, school, business, public agency, have an alternative open to them that they have previously overlooked. As preparation for changes, one may later wish to make, one might try disconnecting crucial links in the organized system for a time and studying the results. There's no getting around the fact that the most likely consequences will be some variety of chaos and confusion, but it is perhaps better to have this out in the open rather than endure the subliminal chaos and confusion upon which many of our most important institutions now rest. Again, these symptoms must be taken as prime data. The effects of systemic disconnection must be taken as an opportunity to inquire, to learn, and to seek something better. What is the institution doing in the first place? How does its technological structure relate to the end one would wish for it? What, uh, can one see anything more than, the pl- uh, than to plug the whole back together the way it was before? The Luddite step is necessary. If such questions are to be asked in any critical way, it is perhaps not too far-fetched to suppose that some positive innovations might result from the straightforward challenge to establish patterns of institutional life. And I'm going on to say another thing you can do is to simply refuse to uh, repair uh, these technological systems, if you if you work in the maintenance of them, if you work in the upgrading them, if you work in the supervision of them, right? I mean, you can work in ways to prevent the growth, the perpetual growth of them, right? Because we see perpetual growth as a positive. We build, uh, you know, it goes on to say, we build more and more freeways, larger and larger suburban developments, greater and greater systems of centralized water supply, powers, sewers, and police, all in a frantic effort to sustain order and minimal comfort in the sprawling urban complex, Perhaps a better alternative would be to let the dying artifice die. One might then begin the serious search, not for something superficially better, but for totally new forms of socio technical existence. You know, we don't have the the time, maybe, to do the experiments, or maybe we do, that, you know, would suit the Luddite project. But that ethos, the idea, the methodology there that you have to embrace the chaos that's going to emerge, but also figure out ways to decouple crucial links whether that means simply walking out whether that means undermining whether that means refusing to repair whether that means uh, actively disrupting um, and building on that taking care to notice note that yeah there's going to be chaos of course and the, and the immediate steps and the immediacy but if we are interested in figuring out what things look like without them we have to get we have to get rid of them right mm-hmm. then, to begin with that's the only way to do it
1: yeah and the and the, and and the wild thing is, you know, all this sounds so radical, right? You mm-hmm. mean you want me to not repair things? You want you want art you want uh, artifice and systems and infrastructure should just be left to die? Are you telling people to to actively sabotage these things, Ed? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> and it all sounds so radical, but this shit happens all the time, constantly, right? Like, look around us at all of the infrastructure that are in disarray right uh, the, uh, of the infrastructures of you know whether it's social services right that, that's a system that is you know intentionally thrown in disarray uh, left or to left die. to mm-hmm. die um, you know the we're right like these societies of civil engineering are constantly giving you know infrastructure in the united states like a f minus grade right like uh-huh. like you know this shit has been left to die um but what infrastructure is the time and resources put forth to maintain? It's the infrastructures of the war machine, of the military, of policing. Right? These punitive infrastructures; those are actively maintained. It's the infrastructures of the fossil fuel industry. Right? These are actively maintained. Right? Uh, that that that. So it's it's not as if it's unthinkably radical to let some to to not repair, to let things fall into disrepair, to let entropy. Take its toll on these technologies. People are already actively making these decisions right now to let entropy take some things, while also main actively maintaining other things. The problem is they're choosing the wrong things, right? They're choosing to keep the wrong things in pristine operation while letting the while letting the wrong things die. This is politics, right? It's an in, it's a it's a system of some interests are represented and maintained and repaired while others uh other interests other people's benefits social purposes and so on are are left uh to for for entropy to take its toll i think that we can see that with all of these things that when we talk about luddism when winner talks about luddism right uh there are already Luddites amongst us, but they are not Luddites for the people. They are Luddites for power, for for evil, right? They're the, they're the evil Luddites, uh, the bizarro Luddites. <laughs> the bizarro Luddites, right. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> they already exist. They already hold power in this world. So it's not to merely say that, Uh, The things that we talk about, the things that Winner is putting forth are so unthinkably radical. No one could ever do that. It's instead to be like, no, people are already doing this. We just must do it for different reasons, for different purposes.
0: People may unmake the world every single day or they make it in the image that they want it to be. Why is it radical to say that we, you know, the vast majority of people who suffer these things every single day should have an interest in, say, and the power to do it ourselves, right? What is... I mean, I think a lot about, um, you know, the connection between these sorts of arguments and, uh, you know, the fact that people, like, you know, I, I think a lot and I talk a lot with people about, like, the reaction that people had to Vicki Osterwell's really great book um, in defense of looting and how a lot of people didn't really even read the book. But if they do, you see that one. a lot of it is functioning as a history of it and why it is a legitimate response that emerges and why it shouldn't be condemned and abandoned anytime uh, looting does occur. Right. And I I think about how a lot of time, um, all sorts of uh, extractive, immoral, uh, destructive behaviors allowed. And then when like people react in a way that doesn't even mirror, mirror is not the right word because mirror implies a symmetry and there's no symmetry here. uh, Then it is Condemned in the strongest terms possible, and and castigated and lambasted, and all these fucking you know uh, long ass uh, explanations about why this is beyond a pale, and yet like all the suffering that goes on and is baked into the system into the structure, largely goes unexamined or is reframed as something else entirely. It's a negative externality, you know. Millions of people who die because of pollution because we refuse to build cities where people live in instead of cities where cars can spend most of their time idling or just parked, right? The millions of people who die that is seen as, is not even really seen as like a consciously violent decision. It's just so, you know, it's just an after fact of like living in a city. Instead of asking like, can we make a city where millions of people don't die every single <laughs> Uh, Or million over time, millions of people don't die in our, our cities, where across the civilization, millions of people don't die every year because of health conditions that are, in one way or another, related to pollution, or don't, or millions of people are not getting, you know, health conditions or diagnosed with conditions that are related to pollution, right? No.